you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Oh, free agency frenzy episode here move the sticks dj bucky bucky this you frenzied oh man this is crazy this is bananas i i don't know what happened this year i don't know what happened this offseason but with the trades and then with the free agency deals i feel like i am living a real fantasy football draft <laughs> like, i feel like that's what it's we're great. in the midst of we're in the middle of a fantasy football draft everyone is just open season on the best players let's get the skill guys going yeah the nfl offseason I know the NBA offseason is pretty cool. I mean, it's great with the with high profile free agents, but now we've got we're mixing all these trades to go along with the free agent signings as well as the draft, which the NFL draft trumps every other league. The NFL offseason's it's on fire right now, Buck. Absolutely on fire. Um, God, I can't wait to talk about it. this. is so crazy. Well, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right in here because. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, I guess I should tease. Later on, once we get through all the NFL stuff here, we've got some interesting topics there. All these signings, all these transactions. We're going to get to the best GM sound we were able to collect from the Combine. So we've got the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Chargers. Uh, we have the Tennessee Titans as well as the Arizona Cardinals. So we've got sound from those GMs. So that's going to come up a little bit later in the episode as well as Jordan Palmer, who's been training uh, Josh Rose and Sam Darnold. We've got an interesting interview with him talking about those guys. So uh, stay tuned for that. But first, let's start right here at the top. Let's get to these quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, it looks like three years, 28 per to the Minnesota Vikings. Strong number. looks like fully guaranteed three-year deal, and Minnesota gets their guy. Fully guaranteed deal. This is a, 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 it's a game a changer. It's a game changer. It's a trendsetter because what he has done is he has basically flipped the way that they used to do contracts on their head. Russell Wilson tried to do some of it but couldn't get the entire thing guaranteed. Kirk Cousins has been able to do it. Oh, yeah. Kirk Cousins, a shorter deal, fully guaranteed, no fluff, no frills. We know exactly what it is. The number comes in at 20, $28 million per, sets the new standard at the quarterback position. And so now every quarterback that comes out, particularly an elite quarterback, all it's going to be standard. It's going to be all guaranteed money. We're going to see what the number is. So Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, whoever's after that, they're looking for big, big money. And if you're confident – 
And look, if you, you know, I get to worry about injury, but I, I, if I'm a star quarterback right now, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, you know what I'm saying? Two years, three years, tops. Fully guaranteed, and guess what? I'm going to come right back into this market come, again. I'm my my right deal back. is never going to be outdated. So I'm never going to be a top five quarterback getting paid at, at 17, 18 at the position. That's not going to happen. This is now the LeBron James theory. The NBA thing. It is the LeBron James, I'm going to go with a, a year and a year option or whatever that is where I can get out of it. But I am always going to keep coming back to the table. I'm going to put pressure on the team also because now when I come up, you always have to make sure that the supporting cast is intact because if not, you lose the starting quarterback. This is a game changer. Kirk Cousins will be remembered for changing the game when it comes to how we deal with quarterbacks and how we build teams around the quarterback. I just think if you're if you're a star quarterback, top-tier quarterback, why would you ever do a long-term deal right now and why would you ever do anything but guaranteed money? It's been set. It's been set. It's all, precedent it's all, has been set. The precedent has been set. This is the new way of doing business. It is a LeBron James thing. I think it's the LeBron James effect. It's fascinating to me. It is fascinating to watch how this is going to continue to play out. How about what it means on the field for the Minnesota Vikings? Because I have heard the theory out there, hey, this team went 13-3 and without Kirk Cousins. You know, anything short of a Super Bowl, he's going to be deemed a failure. Um, the pressure that comes along with, with coming there, what are, your, what are your thoughts on the actual fit on the field? Well, I mean, there, there is a lot of pressure that comes with that because basically for Kirk Cousins to be seen as an improvement, he has to get them to the next step. The pressure is the pressure's not just on him. It's on the new offensive coordinator because Pat Shermer is gone. So Flip has to take over and show that he, in his first year calling plays, that he can take he can take a guy like Kirk Cousins, figure out what he does really well, blend the other pieces, get those guys going, and – allow this team to build upon the 13-3 and season that they had. A lot of pressure on everybody, but for Cousins, it makes a lot of sense. And the reason it makes sense, he needed to go to the best place with the best supporting cast. He has that now. He has a strong defense. He has two wide receivers that can alternate which one is the number one receiver on a game-by-game basis. And he has a running game because Dalvin Cook is coming back. So all the things are there. So, yeah, the pressure is on Kirk Cousins but he has a supporting cast that should allow him to be able to live up to those expectations. So here's my thoughts on it. And and this, to me, again, goes back to the NBA and the comparison because the thought, and this is I've heard this out here a bunch, why would you go there? Even if you have success, even if you win a Super Bowl, they were winning big without you. Kirk doesn't get much credit. He, you know, and all the pressure if you aren't successful. I'm sitting here going, is this the same? I'm not saying he's Kevin Durant, but is this is the exact same it's conversation same we have with Kevin Durant. It's At the, the end of the argument. day, find the team with the most talent. You want to win. That you can people, go win with. Do you people. want to play with the best players? That'd be like saying, you know what? Eh, don't want to have the number one recruiting class yeah. this year because then they're going to expect me to win some games. You know? Yeah, people just get a bunch of two star kids. Nah, people, people. Give me the, go play with the best dudes. People respect winners. Part of the reason why we have anointed Tom Brady as the goat because he's always in that final game. Yeah, you want to give yourself the best chance to get to the final game, whether you win it or lose it. That is what we're playing for. We're playing for rings and titles. And so for Kirk Cousins, he goes to the best team that gives him a shot to accomplish that goal. Because if he accomplishes that goal, that puts him in rarefied air. And if he's able to do it a couple of times, then that makes him viewed as one of the best to ever do it. Think about the reverence with which we speak about Eli Manning. His numbers say one thing, but he's a two-time Super Bowl champion and a two-time Super Bowl MVP. You can only knock him so much because he's been able to accomplish that for Kirk Cousins. That's the next step. That's what he has to be able to do, prove that he can elevate his team enough to get them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, I, I just I don't get the whole expectations thing. Find the team 
that has the best chance to win, has the best players in a supporting cast that's young. They're going to be good for a while now. And Kirk Cousins is going to get another dip at the at free agency in three years. He is going to get another dip. So we'll get a chance to see how can they manage all those other things around him. Stephon Diggs, I think his deal is up. They got Adam Thielen. Got Anthony Barr taken care they of. They got to take care of Anthony Barr. But let's just see how they continue to build around uh, this team to keep the quarterback going. Players are now starting to chime in about the Cousins deal, kind of changing the the whole marketplace. Doug Baldwin tweets out, Kirk Cousins is a hero for all the young players that will follow after him. Now we need more players to bet on themselves until fully guaranteed contracts are the norm and not the exception. There you go. And this is something I I talked to uh, with another veteran player, and he was off the record, Buck, that just said he he was uh, showing me his, or talking to me about his frustration, sharing his frustration, I should yep. say about the fact that none of these marquee quarterbacks had used this leverage that they have to get fully None guaranteed. of them. And he, he actually said – Unbelievable. He actually kind of forecasted this thing and said, Kirk Cousins can change the whole game for us. He said and it, it kind of – it ticked him off that none of the other quarterbacks had done it. Oh, no, because, like, Kirk Cousins really took a lot on him. And I know, like, in some circles he could be viewed as selfish because he kind of played it out or whatever, and that's part of the deal. Like, when you're trying to be the revolutionary, you're going to take some hits. But he was willing to do it. And actually, he flipped the franchise tag and made it become a situation where he could do that. And I think if more players would really, really understand the franchise tag and their representatives would learn how to manipulate it, I think they also could change the narrative in the league and the way that they go about business. Kirk Cousins and his representation deserve a lot of credit for being pioneers when it came to the way they did business. And that's Mike Mack. That's Mike, uh, McCartney, Mike McCartney, who's a, who's got a great reputation. He's a great dude. You, know, you get a chance in what we do and your scouts, you're always dealing with, with agents in terms of you know, free agents after the draft, even if you're on, a, on the scouting side or you're on the you know, upper level dealing with free agents as they're coming in, veteran free agents. So you get a chance to know a lot of these agents. Mike is a really good guy, and he played this thing perfectly. Um, so congratulations to him and Kirk Cousins. Now the former quarterback there at Minnesota, Case Keenum, even before Kirk could land in Minnesota, Case Keenum agrees to a deal in Denver. That's something I kind of forecasted for a while. I think a lot of people had it. Just, just it made sense. That was kind of their their fallback if they're not going to get Cousins. That Case Keenum was going to be their guy. Fallback for a couple of reasons. If you think about free agency, ideally the best way to go after free agents is to have someone who really, really knows that guy. The scary part of free agency is when you sign someone sight unseen or you don't really know who they are and what they're about. Where in Denver. They have Case Keenum's old coach, Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak was very instrumental in Case's development as a young player. Spent a couple of years with him at Houston. So Gary Kubiak, who now is working in the front office, has some knowledge of what Case Keenum is. He can tell the coaches this is the best way for him to be utilized. He understands how he works and all those other things. Because the trick in draft and also in free agency is scheme fit how does the player fit in the scheme and are you willing to build a scheme to allow him to maximize his talents where denver should have some intel to to put together an offense that allows keenum to be very very comfortable and they also have some playmakers on the outside demarius thomas manuel sanders he should be able to go play ball i like it when you're going to invest in in a free agent to have somebody in the building has a familiarity there and have a plan in place know what his strengths and weaknesses are and how it's going to work going forward so i think that makes a lot of sense there for denver Drew Brees, I don't know if this is much of a surprise, but two years, $50 million, uh, $27 million guaranteed. So it sounds like kind of we're going to go year by year here with the Saints, but he's not going anywhere, staying in New Orleans. 
No, he's not going anywhere. But I think this is also a big-time deal. It's a big-time deal for the older quarterbacks, for the veteran quarterbacks, for the guys that are in the upper 30s that aren't necessarily the Kirk Cousins that where you have the long ride where you're willing to invest like that top, top number. Well, now when you get the veteran on the downside of his career, the guy that is in the upper 30s, you now know what that number is. Drew Brees has set the number at $25 million per. So with Big Ben coming up soon, saying that he wants to play a little longer, with Phillip Rivers maybe coming up and wanting to continue to play, you now know what that number is. $25 million per is the number for the declining or the aging quarterback that is still viewed as an elite quarterback. Not a bad number. Uh, I know you want to hit on this one, but two things kind of put them together here. Sammy Watkins – Goes to Kansas City, three years, $48 million, 30 guaranteed. That is some big numbers there. And then how about three years, $42 million, 25 guaranteed, Allen Robinson to Chicago. Yeah, these two things. And I'm also going to throw Trey Burton going to Chicago yeah. on a four-year, $32 million deal. I think we always talk about doing homework. I've seen you tweet out the last couple of days lessons that you learned from your failures and yeah. successes and those things. I think people have been learning from watching Carson Wentz and Jerry Goff last year. What they learn, look, you can have a great young quarterback, but if you don't surround them with veteran pass catchers that are dependable, you can't really see how good he can become. Year one, both of those guys, they were okay. There were some questions about golf more so than Wentz, but now you got some older players around him in L.A. Talking about uh, Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins comes over in the trade. Cooper Cup was a younger guy, but then for Wentz, Alshon Jeffrey comes over, Torrey Smith, they elevated the level of play because the quarterback could depend on the guys on the perimeter to get open and be at the spots where they're supposed to be. Now we look in Chicago with Mitchell Trubisky, who was a wide receiver last year through two. Uh, no, I, I don't know. Didn't Can't have trust anybody. any of the young guys. Kevin White has been hurt, so what do we do? Now you go and get Allen Robinson, who's a proven number one receiver. We've seen the production. We know what he can do. You go get another tight end in Trey Burton to pair with Adam Shaheen. Now you got two tight ends to do some of the they things. they got two that, backs, too, with Cohen and, and, and Howard. And Cohen, Jordan Howard. You now have an offense. Good offensive that line, too. In one day, completely looks different. Mr. Trubisky now should be able to take a huge jump in his second year. Also, with Matt Nagy understanding it, I think there's some synergy there. Well, let's be honest, too. Ryan Pace, it, it, he needs two things. Ideally, number one is win. Yes. And 1A, 1B is, is that your quarterback plays well, who you Absolutely. invested in and traded up a spot to get and all that's all well known out there you've got to get him going and i would say even if you don't win next year if trubisky takes a major step forward you feel you better buy, you buy time you buy time you feel better about the program you feel better about everything right now and when you sit down i'm thinking everybody's probably excited about what the bears what the product should look like when they take the field well, in the fall well, they, they take this money and instead they invest it in defense and say they they they're winning and losing games 13 to 10 next year it's not, that ain't good not, enough. It's not exciting. You got to think it about what it. it is. In the fantasy football world, video game world, you got to be able to put up points. Now, what about Sammy though? Sixteen million a year for Sammy? Well, here, you here, buying that? I am buying it. It was one of the things. Like oh, you obviously, man. you obviously didn't read the notebook. You didn't I, read I, the notebook. I you didn't read my notebook. He was I my top. Read the, I haven't he was, read the notebook. He was my yeah. top. He was my top. Like one of the top players. I the put the fourth in there. leading receiver most, for the Rams. Most bang for your buck. Look, fourth. He averaged sixteen. 16 he yards caught per like catch. 30 balls. 16 yards per catch. And the games in which Robert Woods wasn't there, he picked his game up. What you're seeing in Kansas City. Here's why it works in Kansas City. 16 million. Yeah, it works in Kansas City. Tariq Hill in the playoffs, as much as I love Tariq Hill as a playmaker, he's not a number one receiver. He's not a route runner. He's not polished. He's not refound. He's a gadget guy. He's a catch and run specialist. He can go over the top. Travis Kelsey is nice as a number one. You now have a solid receiver and Sammy Watkins be the number one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Solid or number one? 
Oh, he's your number one. Okay, let me let me interrupt you here because I want to get I want to get your thoughts on this. Sammy, I think is twenty five. Sully, can you give me an age back he is, there? He is twenty five. I had a huge grade on Sammy coming out. I had him, I think, as a second player in that draft class. But I, I want to pose this question to you. Mm-hmm. If you're a true number one wide receiver, mm-hmm. you're 25. 24. He's 24 years old. Yeah. A number one, 24 years old. Yeah. And not one, two teams have said, we're good. Well, I think. Buffalo said, we're good. The Rams had a choice. LaMarcus Joyner, we can tag him. Sammy Watkins, we can tag him. They tag Joyner. So is that $16 million for a guy in his prime who two well, so- teams have said, we're good? Does that uh, scare you? Oh, I can't worry about. I can't. I can't worry about what she did when she dated other people. I'm just I don't saying. Worry about what she did with me. Not, I would just be like those other people didn't know. How they to got use to know them though. They, they know. They live with them. They live with them. They got to know. Them. I got to live with them, and they were. Like, I got a plan. Ah, I got a plan. They didn't know how to maximize. Quote of the day from Bucky Brooks. In Buffalo, this is what you have to understand. In Buffalo, when you had that team, Sammy Watkins was a high price item. You had a regime change, and maybe they didn't fully buy in. He had been hurt. He had had some. How about the Rams? And maybe with the Rams, I think the trick is now. You're looking at a lot of dudes that you have to pay down the line. I have Aaron Donald, who is going to absolutely crush the bank. Yeah, Todd Gurley. I have Todd Gurley behind, who's also going to do it. But, when that, I look but at, that wasn't the decision. No, the decision no. was LaMarcus Joyner, a safety, yeah. or Sammy oh, Watkins, wait. a receiver. But those, but those things, that was are not, those decisions are not made in a vacuum. You have to look over and know that Aaron Donald is coming, and he wants the kind of money that is going to change the marketplace. I have to save some chips for that. You could save to. that money at safety? No. I couldn't. I couldn't. I'm just saying. I, I think that they wanted to get that done. They could have got that. No, done. I mean they. Could, I think they. they I think they said them, Josh Reynolds then, is going to cost us peanuts, and we don't think the drop off is going to be that drastic. Look, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you love LA Rams, I love when Bucky prefaces his takes. Robert, here's Woods, what I'm saying. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, but the driving force of that offense is Ty Gurley. Yep. And Jerry Goff. So without Ty Gurley, we can't get it done. So Ty Gurley is the guy. Ty Gurley's the left bell of that offense. Can't worry about the number. It's the cost of doing business. I mean, hell, if I told you $18 million for Case Keenum <laughs> two years ago, like so the same argument that we're talking about Case Keenum, that same that same guy was in L.A. at quarterback last year, $18 million. I know, and they smartly moved on. Yeah. So what does that say about the Denver they, Broncos? They moved on from, <laughs> what does say about, from Sammy, too. You can make the same argument. You can make the same argument for Sammy with Case Keenum. The Denver Broncos have taken a guy that's been cast off from three other teams. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Case Keenum might have caught more balls than Sammy Watkins last year. Any throwbacks? 39. 39. 39. He had 39 catches. receptions. 39 catches. What's that worth today? 16 16 mil. yards per. But because you know who he is? He is. Rich. Jeremy Macklin. Tyreek Hill is Deshaun Jackson. No, I know. It's Andy's got his Andy guys. Andy Reid How many Super Bowls did he win with those guys? I don't know, but I know he went to five NFC Championship games and won a lot of division titles. And but my if you're going to roll out the – Ferrari? Is it the Ferrari that I've heard Pat Mahomes refer to by oh, Pat someone Mahomes? that we know? No, 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 no. no. Is, you, is didn't, you, you, didn't hear, you didn't hear this? Is it the Lamborghini? You didn't hear which, this? Which one? Is no, no, no. He already got fitted for a jacket. They already gave him a good oh, jacket. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so, so he played good against Denver. Yeah. So, get, so, that, get, that, get fitted so, for that jacket. He so if I'm going to drive the Ferrari, I got to put some – I got to put it – well, it's only one. It's a two-seater. A Ferrari only has two seats. Does it have four seats? Can I get, can I get anybody back? Hey, hey, two things I've learned today. Uh, Bucky likes Sammy Watkins. Number one, number two. I don't like him. Never been in a Ferrari. (laughs) I've never been in one. That's not my pay grade. That's not my pay grade. Can somebody please Photoshop Bucky as Magnum PI in that red Ferrari (laughs) and send it to me, please? I just wanted to know because you got to have somebody. You got to have somebody in the the passenger seat. I just wanted to know if I have two additional passenger seats behind me because now I got Pat Mahomes, I got Sammy, and I got I got Tyreek and and Kelsey back there. 
the question I will say this is going to be fascinating. And I, I like I do like Sammy Watkins a lot as a player. Man, I, I, you I, gave him a big grade. I gave him a big. You got to own the grade. I'm just saying, own the, the grade. Stick with the grade. But here's the other. You're thing. not you're not doing no, no, you're not no, doing no, Twitter no, scouting. No, no. But here here's the other deal. What's what's your favorite thing to do on quarterbacks? What's your what's your comparison? We said oh the, trucks and trailers. No, no, no. But what's the in this draft we have production, mm-hmm. uh, we have projection. Yeah. Right now, Sammy, I think, is a little bit more projection as a number one than he is production as a number one. Well, we got production. We got 25 yeah. career touchdowns. We got 25 touchdowns in four seasons. We have – That's not a, number one. We got a career average of 16 yards per, which is huge. We have 1,000-yard season, which is tough. <laughs> we're, 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 we're peeing us away from getting that second one. I'm but those you're betting Buffalo. on the come is what I'm getting at. You're, you're betting on what's to I mean, come, it's, not it's what's been done in the I mean, past. it's a little bit. You got to be able to see ahead. Whatever. Come all on. Right, all right. He's all a right. pretty girl with the glasses and the hair in the bun. Well, here's this. Gonna, you gotta let the hair out. This is gonna take me perfectly. I, it's look, fantasy day. There's a bunch of other uh, moves here. Lodi Nada looks like to Philadelphia. Starla Tulele looks like to Buffalo. Albert Wilson, the receiver, goes to Miami to replace Jarvis Landry. Weston Richburg, uh, good interior offensive lineman, can play center, both guards. He goes to San Francisco. Good move there. But this is what I want to get to here. Uh, Andrew Norwell, Uh-oh. top guard on the market, goes to Jacksonville. Five years, 66.5. That's $30 million guaranteed. I believe that makes him the highest-paid guard in the league. The highest-paid center in the league, I believe, is Linder, right, with mm-hmm. Jacksonville paid last year. Jacksonville has invested a lot in the trenches. And when I mean a lot, I went and looked at this. Uh, this is a cool – it's a cool uh, website, Spot Track. Have you looked uh, at this thing? Oh, yeah. I always go oh, it. That's it's great. Get, that's where I get the numbers from. It's great. The numbers are fantastic. So this is off last year. I thought this was fascinating. Last year, Philly, fourth in the league in terms of the money they allocated to the offensive line um, and the percentage of the cap, which was 15.85%. Uh, on the defensive line, Philly was fifth in the money they allocated towards the cap on the defensive line. So offensive line fourth, defensive line fifth. Jacksonville. Now, Philly obviously won the whole thing. Jacksonville was right there. Right there. Jacksonville last year was sixth in O-line spending at 13.91% of their cap. D-line spending, mm-hmm. numero uno, 25.76% of the cap they spent towards the defensive line. So, to me, when you look at the talented young teams in the AFC, the most talented young team in the AFC, I would I would say, is Jacksonville. Would you agree with me on that? Yep. Philadelphia, I think you make a yes. strong case, the most talented team in the NFC. Sure. Coming off of a Super Bowl. Both of them, look at the investment they're making up front. You know where they are in wide receivers? I believe it's 28th and 29th in the league in terms of their investment at that position. You know who's number one? Green Bay is like $10 million more than everybody else in the league at the wide receiver position. How's that working out? Hey, once again, I've told you. All you <laughs> okay. have to do is read the notebook. Read the notebook. We talked about the wide receivers and investing in those. Okay, I got it. Here's, here's what we have. Here's what we have, though. Invest in, in the trenches. We've talked yes. about it. Like, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but – yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to play to your strength because I know you watch all those shows, Flipping Houses. I love them. I'm a big fan. Yeah. So when you start with Chip the house. Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yeah, when, when, when you start building a house, what do you start with? The foundation. The foundation. So we're talking about the trenches. Build it ground up. Yeah. Foundation. The hog mollies are the foundation. You got to go with the big guys. The big guys kind of set the table. $16 million for Sammy Watkins. I'm just saying. I just throw it out. I mean. It's like a, look, is that what is that? Is that a window? I, mean, I, I don't know. Like, is I, that a I, door? I don't know. Talk, a foundation. Hey, call call Veach and those guys and figure out what they're doing. <laughs> they feel like it's all about Pat Mahomes, so they're gonna throw it all over the yard. I do think though, with Bortles getting back to to that move there with Norwell, it's interesting. They let Allen Robinson at the receiver position walk out the door, mm-hmm. but I think there's something to the fact of hey, if we just continue to upgrade the offensive line, which was the, I think they led the league in rushing last year, you throw another piece up front. Guess what, Blake? When you do have to throw. 
you're going to see nothing but single high coverage. They don't want to throw. Doug Marone last I'm saying, said you're a perfect run the game ball. is zero it, pass It makes the – like whatever you have at receiver, it makes playing quarterback so much easier. It does. When run you're the ball. sitting there at third and one and third and two all game long and you can go play action, you can boot him, you can run, do whatever you want with him. I think so. some people look at it and say, okay, I know he didn't play last year, but that's a talented dude in Allen Robinson. He let walk out. They took that money and they put it back in the offensive line. And I think in the long run that might end up even helping him more. Oh, I think it's going to help him a lot more. I think when you look at the way football is played, you have to be physical. You talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and then the Jacksonville Jaguars. You look at the teams that are traditionally there, they're able to run the football when they want to run it, and then they can stop people without having to blitz. And so that is your D-line and your O-line playing major roles. And so if you continue to build it like that and don't get caught up in playing fantasy football where we're going to throw it 50 times and put up all these numbers, you'll win games. And so – that's what it comes down to. It's still a physical game. It's still a contact sport. These guys now can dictate the terms. And I think in Philly, they haven't even scratched the surface on what they could do offensively because when they get the quarterback all the way back and they continue to upgrade and figure out who their running back is going to be, I think they have the ability to whoop you running or having Carson Wentz do it. And I think that's the scary thing. No question. All right. this That was fun free agent uh, free agent frenzy discussion. How much is Sammy Watkins getting again? I believe it was $16 million. Oh, Okay. That kind of upsets you a little bit. No, I actually, actually, I like bit. Sammy. Six, I'm happy. I'm happy for Sammy. You like him. You don't love him, though. I like you him. You used to love him. I love him coming like out. Him. I love him coming out. Wait, he's not my guy. Yeah. Oh, nice. The money <laughs> drop. We got the yeah, money drop. Yeah. No, he was. He was. My guy. When he coming into the draft. Yeah. Right. Now, since then, that same draft class, we've seen Mike Evans. We've seen Odell Beckham Jr. We've seen some dudes kind of mm. mm. eh, move up a little bit. Eh. A little it took bit. him a while. Now, the L.A. The LA situation is different because that was kind of on the move. He didn't get a full. He needs to get healthy, too. Here. I think he had, he had ankle or stuff. He, too. He's okay. Uh, look, he's gonna, he'll be fine. I'm just busting your chops. But I do think it's – I was a little bit surprised just how big the number was. Good for him. You can get it. Go get it. I don't begrudge anybody their money. Well, he, here's – when you really look at the market, there were only two dudes on the market. Yeah. It's Robinson and him. There were the two gems. Jarvis Landry was already gone. Yeah. So if you were a team in need of a wideout, and obviously Kansas City was in need of a wideout. They swapped out Albert Wilson. He got three for 24 in Miami. They brought in Sammy Watkins. Look, they do have a lot of, of skill. Okay, so let's, let's talk about that. So so if I was going to have to pay Albert Wilson $8 million a year, you know how many yards he had? He had 500. Okay. What's Sammy? Five five hundred. What's Sammy? He gives you five hundred. What's Sammy? Five hundred. Silly. But my man had sixty catches. He had five hundred. What? How many? How many yards? He had him on thirty nine. He had thirty nine. But that's what that's the going rate. See, Sammy. So he had five hundred. What's Sammy have? Six hundred. But my man had almost double the catches. Eight million more a year for those. Five ninety three. Five ninety three. That's six hundred. Round up. Five ninety three. That's eight million bucks for that extra. Eight million bucks for that extra hundred yards. You got to round up. You're not rounding up. Hey, let's get to these GM interviews. We got some sound from the GMs that uh, we chatted with at the Combine. Let's, uh, let's roll those back. Here with Vice President and General Manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kevin Covert. You have a quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who has played at a high level for a long time, but he's a little older. As a front office executive, how do you balance making sure he has what he needs to be successful while also looking towards the future and maybe finding a successor at the position. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback, as you well know, is the most important position, and we've been very fortunate uh, for the good majority of my time in Pittsburgh to have a franchise quarterback, a quarterback that's going to be a Hall of Famer. But you have to always be 
securing the, the, the franchises you move forward. As you look at successful franchises, when they've stayed up here, they've been good at, at the quarterback position. So that challenge is always there. Do you add a player of another position or you add a quarterback uh, because your quarterback maybe has three, four, five years left? Um, that's something we're always measuring. We always try to add a young one in the mix. A few years ago, we added Landry Jones, and he's turned into a nice number two. Last year, we added Joshua Dobbs into the mix, and Josh uh, made progress in the preseason. He didn't get to play. Fortunately, he didn't get to play during the season, but he'll continue to develop. So we always want to have someone, a younger player, in the position to continue to develop, and if the need arises, then hopefully they'll be ready. But we're never going to be adverse to adding to that position. Another position you guys have been successful at drafting, wide receivers. But what's unique about the Pittsburgh Steelers, you've been able to draft guys outside of the first round. What has been the key to finding so many guys that can be productive that weren't first-round picks at a position? I always go back to it. It's the player himself. I mean, when we took an Antonio Brown in the sixth round, honestly, we had Antonio and Emmanuel Sanders, who we took in the third round, graded equally. Emmanuel was probably a little bit more predictable because he was a senior. He had played in the East-West. We knew more about Emmanuel than we did Antonio as an underclassman. So we took Emmanuel, but in the sixth round, it was so obvious that Antonio needed to be picked. We took him, and when he came in, he just exceeded every expectation we could have had for him because of the way he worked and because of the way he wanted to be great. All right, excited to be joined by Chargers General Manager Tom Telesco. Tom, look, this is... This is now you've got some experience in this role. Like heading into year six, did last year, because of the, the move of the franchise, did it almost feel like a, a new beginning, even, yes. even year five last year? Yes. I mean, last year was a unique 12 months. And uh, I tell you what, it really brought our organization closer together. It was, you know, we went through moving families, moving our building, moving players. It was a lot of work. Um, the support staff did a tremendous job. Like, everybody had their roles in different departments as far as getting our team moved up there. And... Uh, you know, we all kind of hate to say it, but we put our families on the on the back burner and we get, get the team going, get our families ready. Um, but by the time the players came in for training camp, it was seamless. And, and some things that we thought may be a distraction never worked out like that. And it was really the organization really getting together and doing that all together. I know everybody's always talking about the quarterback and Phillip Rivers and how much longer does he want to do this. But just from an enthusiasm standpoint and an excitement for what he does, is this the same Philip Rivers that, that you've always known? The same one since I've, I've arrived there. Uh, he comes in every day with passion, preparation, loves being around the guys. I mean, he's a coach's son, acts like it, you know, loves the game. And uh, that's the thing. And, and how long he plays, it's, it's up to him. Um, he's playing at a high level. He loves being around the players. Um, you know, every day he's, he's got that excitement. And our guys feed off that, especially the young players. When they see how hard our quarterback works and how long he's been in the league, how much he prepares. Their first thought is, I have to work as hard as he does. Look, he's our best player. Here with John Robinson, general manager of the Tennessee Titans. John, you went through a head coaching search for the first time in your tenure. Um, I think it's important to know, what core traits do you look for in the leader of a franchise? Yeah, definitely his leadership skills, um, uh, a tough-minded uh, approach to the game. Um, a, a coach with a with a team first attitude who's going to try to put all the players in the best position to maximize uh, their skill sets. Um, we talked to three really good candidates, and and Mike Vrabel, Coach Vrabes, he, he stood out uh, of the three candidates and was just the right fit for our football team. Um, the partnership between head coach and general manager is important in this business. Um, how important is it during this process, the draft process, that you guys see players kind of through the the, the same vision? 
Same yeah, eyes. I think that I think that relationship it's paramount. It's critical for the success uh, of a football team to have a clear, unified vision. Uh, not that we're going to agree on every player, but um, players that we see a little bit differently, uh, we watch together and come to a consensus. Um, come to a spot where we feel good about you know, the players fit for our football team and when we're going to acquire them. Fortunately for you guys, you have a talented quarterback in Marcus Mariota, a young star that's on the rise. But when you're building a team, how do you take his talents in mind to put him in the best position to elevate your franchise? Well, when, when we first got there, uh, one of, the, one of the, the big things was protecting him. I think he had gotten hit or sacked uh, more than any quarterback in the league. So. Uh, we set out to bolster the offensive line. We had Taylor Lewan there. So getting the big guys in place up front so that he can stand back there. He can't throw the ball if he's laying on his back. Um, and then putting, you know, putting some weapons you know, offensively. We acquired Derrick Henry in the draft, um, and then we drafted some weapons at receiver for him. So trying to piece around him um, the offensive you know, skill players to make him successful. Here with Arizona Cardinals general manager Steve Kime. Steve, how you doing, man? Doing good. I, I got to start off. This is kind of a off season of change for the, for the organization this year. We'll get to the new guys coming in, but let's first talk about the challenge you have of replacing a guy like BA and Bruce Arians. Well, I mean, there's no doubt um, that that coach had certainly established a culture in Arizona, and 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 that's what made the the process you know challenging as you went out and looked for a new head coach. But the one thing that Michael Bidwell and I discussed throughout that process was it wasn't about finding the best offensive coordinator, or the best defense of coordinator you know it was really about finding the best leader and and in my opinion there's no doubt that, that Steve Wilkes certainly fit that mold all right now go to the quarterback position Carson Palmer been uh, kind of a pillar for your franchise for for several years now he decides to move on what, what's the challenges in place trying to find somebody to take that that role well and, and I think going into the this offseason that's one of the questions that everybody has on their mind and you know the way I look at it is it's a, it's an empty canvas and it's it's exciting because now all of a sudden we can determine who our franchise quarterback is going to be whether it's through free agency the draft or even a trade and to me um, that that's exciting, and, and, and the concept of building around that that player, um, you know, Carson, you know, was a great asset to our organization for five years. Uh, had a great career for us, and 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 won a lot of football games. But at the end of the day, we all know that that position is 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 what really determines success. At the end of the day, so it's a challenging road ahead. When you look at this crop in general, uh, this draft group, 2018, mm -hmm. what jumps out to you? You know, I, I just think that um, whether it's offensive linemen, whether, it, you know, last night we interviewed quite a few of those guys and they were really impressive. And, and the thing that, that continues to um, excite me is when you get to know these guys as people, there's fascinating stories. There's a reason for their success. And, um, you know, I'm getting more and more impressed over the years with these guys, um, their knowledge of the game, you know, how vast it is. When you look at an offensive lineman and he under, understands what the scan protection is from a running back or what uh, a slot receiver is looking at from a coverage standpoint and uh, to me I think it's just that part of it's come a long way. Hi right, Buck look it was fun to get a chance to visit with those guys every year at the combine get a chance to kind of take the pulse a little bit with some of these GMs I always enjoy those conversations. Hey I love I love this guy the guys the, the collection of the guys that we talked to I learned a lot and I think that's the big thing for me not only interviewing these guys having these conversations with friends but sometimes learning how they go about their business this was a fantastic ex exercise for us to execute at the combine. Yeah, I always enjoyed those conversations. Another conversation I enjoyed, recently had a chance to sit down with Jordan Palmer. That's uh, That name sounds familiar. It should. Carson Palmer's brother. 
Uh, Jordan played in the league for uh, for a long time. I got seven, eight years. Seven years. Seven years. Seven years. UTEP. I went down there, Scout. I did too. I did too. I uh, look. We can share notes on that sometime too. But Jordan's done a nice job training quarterbacks, uh, getting ready for the draft the last few years. Did it with Deshaun Watson this year. He's got Sam Darnold uh, and Josh Allen. So it was good to catch up with Jordan. Here's our conversation with him about his two star pupils. All right, Bucky, I'm excited to be joined by Jordan Palmer. Seven years in the NFL as a quarterback, six-round pick coming out of UTEP. I've threatened him that I will release the report that I wrote <laughs> as a scout at some point in time. But no, no, he's shaking his head. No, he doesn't want that. Uh, it, it, wasn't, it wouldn't be as bad as my report would have been. <laughs> <laughs> JP, hey, I, thank you so much for taking some time. You're training two of the top quarterbacks in this draft class in Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. Uh, let's start first with Sam here. The first time that you saw Sam, I know you guys kind of uh, live or grew up in the same area. When was the first time you were even aware of Sam Darnold? Well, you know, it was uh, it was actually at a camp um, of a guy I used to train with, Bob Bazenko, and I was playing in the league at the time, and so, I, I, you know, I'd go back and throw all the time at any, you know, anybody had a camp going on, I'd go throw with the high school kids and hop in. It was fun. And it was funny because I saw Sam and the coach I was with, he grew up around Carson and I when we were little. And I'm like, that dude over there looks exactly like Carson at that age. Not talent-wise. I wasn't saying I saw it at an early age. Just literally, he looked like him. He walked like him. He was wearing, like, scrubby basketball gear like my brother did. <laughs> and then two years later, he's in the Elite 11. And it's like, man, this guy totally still looks like Carson, acts like Carson. And then all of a sudden, he goes to SC and, and he's positioned to be the number one pick. So it's been really ironic. Uh, but it's also been really fun to be a part of his journey. You know, speaking of that journey, he was a guy that played other positions before moving to quarterback. What is the biggest challenge of kind of growing into position when you haven't been, I guess, a lifelong quarterback? You know, with Sam playing uh, other positions and, and actually other sports, because uh, he was a really, really good basketball player in high school, uh, I think what it does is it contributes to just the foundation of your competitive temperament. You know, when you have to, to beat people at not just quarterback, you have to beat people at other positions, other sports, I think it rounds you out. And, you know, this is a kid who's just incredibly competitive. He's cool and he's calm. He's a nice guy. Uh, and his friends like him. But when this dude's on the field, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's looking to take people's lunch. And, um, and he's just been that way since high school. Uh, and then the last two years, getting an opportunity to play early, um, now getting an opportunity to leave early and play in the NFL at a very young age, uh, that competitive temperament is going to be a really important foundation for him to have. And, and I think playing other sports, playing other positions was a way that he was able to develop it. Obviously, because you're brother, uh, you know what it's like playing in that fishbowl as the quarterback of USC, especially you know when the NFL not being here, now the NFL's come back. But even so, USC's kind of always been identified as, as Southern California's professional football team. For those that don't know, just how much pressure was on Sam coming off of a Rose Bowl win over Penn State and what he played uh, in the fishbowl, so to speak, this year? Yeah, you know, it, it's really uh, – this is my second year doing this. When I say this, I mean – training the dude that's the face of college football, not the face of all the starters are the face of their program. That's fine. Um, but two years ago, Deshaun, after the national championship loss, he was the face of college football. Uh, this past year, Sam was the face of college football. What ends up happening is unrealistic expectations get placed on these guys where if Sam would have had the most historic year in, in USC history, we'd still talk about that pick that he threw and that fumble that he had and that drive that they sputtered out on. And it's just unrealistic. You know, Deshaun, people were talking about how he's struggling going into his junior year. I mean, the dude almost won the Heisman and won a national championship. Sam, you know, oh, wait, what about this? What about that? He threw for more yards in US, than anybody in USC history. I mean, he had a great year. And so it's, the expectations get so high. And then with LA, it's just like, I live out here. This is like the bandwagon city. And 
you know, they, they didn't even sell out games this year. And, you know, the expectations get so high that it's great for me to go through this experience with these guys because it'll be Jarrett Stidham next year um, where you just cannot worry about that stuff. And why that's valuable is when you get picked high, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. So the fact that Sam got a whole last offseason of everybody putting him on every magazine and every podcast and every show talking about how great he is, like it was great for him to have to go through that learn that it doesn't matter, and just focus on the ball. You have a unique perspective because your brother was the number one overall pick. Uh, he had to deal with those expectations coming out of USC and having to be the face of a franchise. Eventually, he was in a situation where he got a chance to sit for a year behind John Kitna before he played. Would it be beneficial for Sam to have a similar situation where he doesn't have to jump in right away and play and then become the face of the franchise in year two? Yeah, for sure. And and honestly, my answer to this question is for every single rookie quarterback for the rest of their lives. Like, I always think it's beneficial to sit. Um, there's not enough programs in college football who run the same stuff. Right? I mean, I think there's like one or two. <laughs> I mean, Bucky, we see this at the opening all the time. The guys, you know, and college guys come back and you have a conversation. You're like, man, that's the best running back in college football. I can't believe how much he doesn't know. So with this, like, I always think it's beneficial. I think Pat Mahomes is in a great spot. Now, the cool thing about, the, the uh, you know, Sam and Josh is I think these guys are talented enough and they're poised enough to where if they have to play early, they'll probably play well. I, saw, I felt the same way about Deshaun Watson last year, you know, and he ended up playing great. Um, but I always think it's beneficial. You know, you get to sit and let, you can learn from other people's mistakes. Um, and so depending on what Cleveland does, these other teams, wherever it's Sam and Josh end up, um, you know, if they're in a position where they can sit and watch and learn on someone else's behalf, um, but it's always beneficial, I think, to sit. Uh, with that being said, uh, you know, I'm trying to get them ready to play. When you watch Sam mechanically, what was the checklist you put together for when he showed up to start training to get ready for the draft? What, what were you starting to focus on? Well, you know, last offseason we, we focused on that loop, um, him dropping the ball down low. And we determined that really about 32, 35 yards when he's driving it, uh, he'll drop that ball a little lower. Um, and it's psychological. It's because there's something in you that makes you feel like I have to do this. And uh, we were able to, uh, to be able to figure out a, a way for him to, to not have to worry about that. So that loop got a little smaller last offseason. Uh, I also talked to enough teams and enough experts like Trent Dilfer uh, where it doesn't bother anybody. This offseason, uh, because he made so many off-schedule throws, he would have a tendency to get hunched in his shoulders. And that may not seem like a big deal, but when you get hunched in your shoulders, you end up not using your pec muscles. So when you go to throw, you end up not recruiting all those chest muscles, which means you're going to be throwing with more of your arm than you need to. And so by relaxing his traps and, and working on his posture, uh, he's been able to recruit the muscles on the front half of his body, which means he's using less of his arm. So that was one. The other thing is, um, is just the footwork. You know, they, they did a lot of different drops at SC, um, but they were, they were pretty casual. He, you know, he was able to be pretty casual because he, was, he had a lot of lightman hurt. You know, he had to move around a lot. When you do that, you end up getting pretty inconsistent with your drops, which is, David, something we've talked about. Um, and, and so going through that process, those two things is what we've been hammering. Uh, and I'm excited on the 21st for everyone to kind of see that. You know, what do you really want to show um, scouts and evaluators when you have an opportunity to show them off at Pro Day? What would you like scouts to walk away with the impression of Sam Donald? Well, you know, I, and I've talked to the, the, the top few teams, and so the, the, everything that they want to see is going to be in that Pro Day script. Um, but, you know, I think you want to see all three throws. You want to see them drive the ball. You want to see them layer the ball. And you want to see them throw a touch. You also want to see them on platform 
you know, standing in the pocket, driving it, and we want to get them outside the pocket. Both these kids are dynamic on the run. Um, uh, and then the other thing with, with Sam is I want to show literally every single different type of play-action footwork. So when we throw a flat route, he's not going to take three steps and throw the flat. We're going to do it off of a heavy play-action. So there's about seven or eight heavy play-actions in the NFL, and uh, we're going to get a couple reps at each of them as opposed to just, even the bang eight. We're not just going to take five no-hits and throw it. We're going to do it off ride 434 bob pass. Ride 435 bob pass, flipping around. You can picture Brady opening to his left, two back uh, downhill play action. He flips his hips and he throws a bang eight to Edelman. You know, we're working that type of footwork. The point being so that a team can come there no matter what system they're in, no matter how what their style is, they can go, man, I can see that kid playing in my system. And, and that's the idea. Well, we're looking forward to it. We're going to be there for that pro day. It's going to be a big one. Uh, let's talk about Josh Allen. The, this is a player that we've talked about a bunch in the run-up to the draft, and the physical tools are they, – they're, look, they're easy to spot. They blow you away. My first question is just from a personality standpoint, what's Josh Allen like having been around him? No, it's really cool. So, I mean, Sam I've known a long time. Uh, Kyle Allen, uh, the other quarterback, is a great player. Bucky's been around him. Uh, these are rad dudes, but I've been, I've been around these guys since high school. Really, really, these guys are like my little brothers, you know, Josh, I met last year and, um, you know, and he, and he, it's well-documented, you know, he's from a small town, grew up on a farm, amazing family, all that stuff. And about two or three weeks in, you know, we're like, man, he's super cool. He's a nice guy, all that stuff. And I think once he got comfortable, once he realized, oh yeah, I'm totally good enough to do this. And, you know, I actually, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and let my personality out. This dude has become like one of the funniest people I've been around. And, 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 and I heard that in Indy too. People really felt that this dude is really funny, really honest, uh, really confident. Uh, it was good for him to go to Mobile. It was good for him to go to Indy and get those interviews. You know, he grew up in a small town and then he went to a small school. Uh, but you don't feel that when you're around Josh. You know, he's confident in who he is. Um, you know, he gets to the point. He's got a great personality. Uh, this is a guy that uh, every type of player, old, young, no matter where they're from, uh, people are going to gravitate towards this guy. You know, and thinking about that, because he came from small school um, and high school and then going to Wyoming, what are the biggest challenges that he will have to kind of overcome as he becomes a top pick in the draft in terms of just being the dude in the locker room? Yeah, I think every young guy, they go through an evolution. And, and I'm, I, I always put this statement out there to those guys, and I, I ingrain this in their head. It's the idea that if you're good enough, you're old enough. If I'm talking to a short player, you know, if you're, if you're good enough, you're tall enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so with Josh, um, you know, watching him go through that evolution out here with us, um, he, every quarterback is going to do it as well. There's that question of like, I know everybody says I'm awesome. I know I just got drafted at the whatever pick. But at some point, that quarterback has to get to the, the, the point in which they understand and actually believe I'm totally good enough to do this. So hopefully that happens right away with guys, but sometimes it happens later. I mean, we're looking at some young quarterbacks in the NFL right now where, to be honest with you, I think for Jared Goff, I think it happened the second year. No question. The whole first year. No question. Difference between maybe getting benched and going to a Pro Bowl. Now, with these guys, you know, I think it's going to happen really, really early. Um, And the bigger the ball you play, Deshaun Watson, two national championships, yeah, it should happen quicker. You You just beat Bama. You should be real confident. You know, um, but we're you know, going from a high school, a small school to JUCO. This dude was in junior college three years ago to Wyoming. Um, I'm going to be pushing the sports psychologist side of me is going to be pushing him to understand that he's good enough now. And so uh, therefore he's old enough. 
What was the checklist uh, for Josh when he showed up to work on? You know, it's been well documented, like the improvements. Everybody's talking about it. My name keeps getting thrown in there. Uh, ironically, we really changed one thing. So he was putting himself mechanically, he was putting himself in a position a lot in college where he would get up on his toes and he would bounce and his feet would come together, which means the next thing you're going to do is get back down all your cleats in the ground and you're going to overstride. Now, when you overstride, it can lead to a lot of things, depending on kind of how, what your throwing motion is. With Josh, when he would overstride, his body would jerk to the left and his release point, his elbow would drop, his release point would, would, would lower on the right side meaning it's just counterbalancing. So you overstride. You really want to get your back hip through. That should be the, the, the engine that drives everything. And when you overstride, it's hard to do that. It's hard to come all the way over that front foot. So in its simplest form, he was overstriding that was leading to other issues. So instead of trying to solve the arm angle and get him to throw the ball higher and get him to stop leaning, I played quarterback. Those things, you can put that in my head all day. It's hard to do. Mm -hmm. But by changing the base, widening his base, making it – Every time he goes up on his toes, I want that to feel terrible. By, re, re, by kind of re-engineering that, now he has a really short front stride. He gets over it every time. And literally, and I told you this, Daniel, like mm -hmm. when he misses, just look at the overstride. Guarantee if he misses, it's an overstride. Well, hopefully on his pro day, I think he's going to miss three or four throws out of 70, which is like amazing on his pro day. It's just getting really clean. He's very, very comfortable with it. And this dude has so much juice. It's crazy. It's well-documented. Um, but now it's just, he's just in complete control of it. You mentioned the juice. I got to ask you this. This is my, I'm playing conspiracy theorist here. As somebody as a weenie arm quarterback, like I was, I always try to cheat my drop, especially it was five. I was a quick five. I got about four yards. I just try and get it up. And then when I watched Josh, especially when I went back and slowed it down, I was like, this dude has so much arm. And he wanted to show it off a little bit. So he slow played the drop a little bit and that he, he, he snaps the ball. So the receiver takes off. It was like count one, count two. Then he began his drop. So when he got to the top of his drop, he could really show it off. Was that a plan or was that just somebody just has a big arm and just improvising on the fly there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we put the whole, we, we make sure there's three throws each, right? Yep. And, uh, and, and so even on the pro day, there's, there's throws and then there's big boy throws and not, not the type of thrower, but like there's routes, like yep. a, a slant, a curl. Like I'm not going to show you how strong my arm is on a curl. I want the dude to catch it. <laughs> uh, and there's not that many opportunities for a quarterback to really show things off at the combine, to be honest with you. Um, and so, but on the deep ball, if you do it the way that we, we did it, which is, you know, just sit the first one out there, uh, pause a little bit on the second one and drive it. And then, um, you know, let it loose on the third one. Same thing on the post corner. If you remember Blake Bortles a couple years ago. Yep really really late on his last post corner drove it on the sideline and mayock and everybody is like that's a big arm right there. <laughs> just manufactured right yeah. and so on the pro day it's cool because it's an opportunity to do those we're gonna have a couple uh, big boy throws on on uh, the 23rd you know we've talked about everyone talks about how talented he is like a rare talent arm arm talent physically he can do all the things in terms of running around um how hard is it to get someone to rein that in to kind of play disciplined football? Because the biggest challenge all scouts will have in evaluating him, his inconsistency. How can you get him to be a more disciplined player from the pocket with all the talents and tools that he has? Well, honestly, I think the overstride thing, um, the inconsistencies on accuracy, it, you know, there's, there's two sides of that, not just with Josh, with anybody. There's the quarterback, is he missing? And then there's the other side of it, Bucky, the, the wide receiver side. And, and, and he can't say these things. I've watched every snap. You know, I think one of the things that they had a hard time with is they didn't create a lot of separation and, um, and they had a lot of different route depths. And so 
you got to wait. And when you got a lot of confidence in your arm talent, you're going to wait and see it open and throw it. And in the NFL, you can't do that. Right? In my opinion, that's the difference between Cam and where Cam could be if you, if you develop more anticipation. There's a couple guys in the league that do that. They want to wait and see it open and rip it in there. Um, and that'll be the evolution for Josh. But I think he'll be in a position in the NFL with the route discipline that's there, the trust in the guys, having an X who always can separate on a couple of routes. Um, I think that inconsistencies are going to narrow down big time based off of his mechanics and what he's been, what he's able to do when he's really consistent with that short front stride. He's just in complete control of it when he does that. It's on him now. Um, and then uh, on the other side of it, the receivers. Uh, I think that's, he's going to take a big jump when he goes to the league because uh, there's a lot of stuff that's hard to evaluate. You know, he's like Mahomes last year. It's kind of hard to evaluate. There's a couple things that are just unbelievable, and then you want that to be better. So you try and research and figure out why it was it that way. Um, and I just privy to more information than everybody because I'm so involved in this. Um, but I really don't see it being an issue in the, in the future. I think he's going to be a much better pro. Uh, and, and Bucky, we talked about this last year with Deshaun. You know, he's going to be a much better pro because he'll have more. He's so smart. He'll have more answers at the line of scrimmage than he did at Clemson. I mean, I think the same thing out of these two guys. This is the last one from me here, JP. Let's let's go best case scenario. Josh Allen, best case scenario. We're looking back five years from now. Where where is Josh Allen, and and what what does he look like on an NFL field? You know, it's hard. I, I don't really have a comp for him. Um, I think in the pocket, uh, you know, I, I think he has some Roethlisberger, the natural ability to buy time, not in the exact same manner. Because Ben, I mean, I, I played against, you know, I was on the other sideline mm-hmm. four years versus Ben, and every time it was third down, it was like, oh, <laughs> here we go again. I mean, he's going to. He's going to buy it extra time. We're going to get two dudes on him. And then he's, you know what I mean? He's going to, he's going to get the ball out. Uh, Josh has a lot of that, but Josh is a lot faster and he has the ability to get outside the pocket and create. And so I think he's going to be a guy where he can weather the storm. My, my big thing with these guys is you got to be able to handle the inevitability of success and adversity. And Josh went through a lot of adversity, you know, when that whole thing going through high school and Juco, he told his mom in high school, don't worry, mom, I'm, on, on signing day, don't worry, mom, I'm going to be a first round pick promise you it's crazy so he's been through adversity he's handled that really well and he's handled the success really well too you know he he doesn't care about any of the media any of that like he's just locked in and focused right now he's ready for this so i think in five years you're gonna see a very mature player who can create time and space which is the i think the, the future of the quarterback position your ability to do that um and you're gonna see a guy who's who's like farvish in terms of like how much his, his teammates love him they think he's hilarious every day is fun like my brother he's going to be the prank guy i can already call it now and he's just going to be that guy that the equipment manager loves the fans love his teammates love and those guys usually win a ton of games last one and i'll let you run same question same question for sam Darnold. five years from now what does that look like you know it's hard for me to sit here and compare where these guys are going to be because it totally depends on the organization they go to right um and so with Sam, you know, I think it's a lot of the same. Um, I haven't seen a guy, uh, I mean, I, or I've seen guys like Deshaun maybe last year, where like, where are these teammates? Where I go, hey, what do you think of Sam? And they, they need to pause and they go, listen, this is my guy. This is a guy who can rally a locker room. And he's 20, so that's going to be important. You know, he's a young dude. And, and that's going to be important. And this is going to be a guy over the next five years who um, is a highlight reel because he's so good off schedule. He's so accurate. He's so consistent 
off schedule, moving around, buying time in the pocket. Dude ran a 4.8, and it just he doesn't run a 4.8 on tape in the pocket. And this is going to be a guy who's, who's just in those moments, and we saw it in the Rose Bowl, we saw it in the big games, even Texas coming back at the end. He's just going to be one of those guys. I think his reputation, and this is – we're recording this, so this is perfect. His reputation is going to be that big moment, that big game guy where he always comes through. Um, and he's going to do it in a way where he's just going to be an easy guy to be a fan of. I love it. Hey, I know you're busy, man. Thank you so much for taking some time. Let's uh, let's catch up again here before we get to the draft. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Well, there you go, Buck. Fun chat with uh, with JP there. What a f- what, This is a loaded podcast, man. Very loaded. Got you some free agency. We've got you some GMs. A little, uh, a little oh, Jordan Palmer talking some draft with the top quarterback prospects. Got it all. We got it all fit in. Oh, I, I don't know how many minutes this was. We, we went I don't know. Up. We've been going longer lately. I'll tell you what. The numbers have been going up though every week. People I appreciate are, people that. People get into it. So thank you so that. much for listening. Uh, we do appreciate that. Always, always appreciate the the comments and the rankings there on uh, Apple Podcasts. That helps out as well. But uh, that's gonna do it for us, Buck. Jam packed episode. Can I tease? Can I tease what we have coming up? Oh, boy. The 360 series is here, Buck. You'd rather kick it off. There's an exciting quarterback that we're going to talk about. Oh, we can let the cat out of the bag. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson 360 is dropping in a matter of days. So be on the lookout for that. The 360 series is uh, is something we take a deep dive on individual prospect. Lamar Jackson, we go talk to his high school coach, college coaches. We talk to a defensive coordinator that played against him. We talk to the guy he's been compared to. And Michael Vick. So there is a lot of content you're going to enjoy on the Lamar Jackson 360 episode, which is dropping in a matter of days. Doesn't get any better than that. Not at all. Let's get out of here. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Move the Sticks. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Thanks for uh, following us on this journey to the draft. We will be there in no time for all your draft needs, all your football needs. We've got you covered right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.